0: Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. If you've been listening to the show, you know, just like you, I've been on my own personal journey to build my empire. And for the last year and a half, I've worked diligently on starting a new business all around helping women tackle their period problems and hormonal imbalances using a natural whole foods approach. If you're suffering from extreme cramps, fatigue, bloating, stay tuned because a little bit later in the podcast, I'll share a bit more about my company, Bia. But for now, let's jump into today's episode. I want to Welcome this week's guest, Melissa Hibbert, to our show today. Melissa is a beauty expert and founder of Shift Beauty Consulting, a contemporary multicultural marketing agency for women founded beauty brands. Melissa's love for all things glam started at a very young age. While in her teens, she actually began experimenting with makeup on her friends and family and decided to take cosmetology courses while completing high school. However, although she had this massive passion for beauty, she She actually didn't pursue a career in beauty early on and ended up working in corporate marketing for over 14 years, working alongside leading brands. After her very successful and stable career in marketing and a lot of soul searching, she actually decided to finally pursue her love for beauty and she became a celebrity makeup artist, which eventually led her to becoming this very successful serial entrepreneur. We talked to Melissa about her 14 year journey in corporate that eventually led her to on Entrepreneurship and how she used her past experience to really accelerate her beauty career. She also opens up about the vulnerabilities of leaving a stable income and pursuing a new path, even when friends, partners, or family weren't as supportive. We also talk about the biggest learning she had in her prior businesses and how it's allowed her to be a stronger business leader and why it's all about prioritization and not balance, especially when you're running your own business alongside your family. Melissa is such a bright light and such a dose of inspiration. So I'm excited to get into this one. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank
1: you. It's such a pleasure being here with you.
0: I know we briefly met through our mutual friend, Carissa, who was on my podcast in one of the earliest episodes, episode 21, if people have not listened, but she's amazing and only spoke the world of you. So I'm super excited for our audience to learn more about you. And I think they'll really relate to your story of leaving that corporate stable job and truly going after your goals and dreams in life. So I can't wait to dig into it. And before we go in your story, I'd love to start with a higher level question. What do you think are you know perhaps one, two or three fears that you think people have that might be stopping them from taking that leap like you did or going after their goals and their dreams?
1: The number one is the unknown. The unknown is the realm of it's something you cannot put your finger on or quantify or qualify. It's really that faith walk and that step that I don't know if a lot of people sort of, that, that's the biggest challenge is the unknown. And then the other thing is this lack of stability and what that looks like. So when you're used to making six figures, seven figures, and having all the perks of corporate America and all the things, uh, what does it look like to be out on your own and start over? And leaving the stability for a temporary instability, am I comfortable with that? The other thing is, what are other people going to think about me? Are people going to think that I'm crazy? Like, they know I'm really smart because I've gotten this far career-wise. But, like, you're leaving your good job, quote-unquote, to do what? You know? And so it's the fear of what other people might think. That's also a child, whether it's, you know, your coworkers or family members. I think those are the top three. And those are certainly three things that I faced.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So eloquently said, you know, the fear of the unknown, getting away from that ego and stable lifestyle that you're used to and really hoping to not care about what other people think. And we'll kind of dig into all those themes in your interview, but I love that, Melissa. I appreciate you sharing. So I actually want to start from the beginning. So I was listening to another interview you did, and you were sharing how you were born on a kitchen floor in Jamaica, and you grew up with not that much, but your parents moved to America to create a better life for themselves and you. So I'd love to just kind of hear more about your childhood and how you think those certain dynamics really impacted the woman you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Certainly humble beginnings. As you said, yeah, I was born on the kitchen floor, literally. My mom and I, the good thing is she was a nurse, so she knew what to do. So I was literally in good hands. That's good. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, we didn't have a lot. We definitely a lot of poverty in Jamaica. But she was determined to give us a better life. At the time, there was five of us. So, you know, she, she moved to America, left us with family members in Jamaica. And moved here and worked in healthcare for a couple years just to build up enough resources and stable foundation to bring us all here one by one. And I think that separation at the time being so young, I believe I was four, four and a half, you know, when she left me with family members. I think we all kind of had to grow up kind of early. And I think that was the beginning of me realizing that. The life that I want and who I am, a lot of it is going to rely on my own mindset and my own choices. And that was really, I think, the catalyst for how I was going to approach my entire life.
0: Wow. You know, I actually haven't heard you connect the dots in that sense, but that makes sense. Your mother moved when you were quite young. You had to really develop quickly. You know, you've always been wise amongst your years when you were even younger, but just to see the wisdom and how you really had to lean into who you are, it just makes so much sense kind of as we unpack your story. So that's beautiful to hear. And so much of beauty has been in your DNA. I'd love to hear kind of where your love affair from beauty came about because ever since you were a young kid, you always had this fascination around it.
1: Yes, I did. I always really felt connected to really pretty things, and whether that be makeup or or fashion. But beauty started to really become the thing that I gravitated towards the most right around my teenage years, you know, as I was exploring and seeing more and obviously watching my mom get dressed. And I remember one day I was around 13, 14, and I just, you know, I was getting on the school bus. My mom's purse was over there, her favorite Revlon lipstick. And I was like, "Mm, let me borrow that, (laughs) you know, took it on the school bus, put that red lipstick on while on the school bus, got to school and wore it the entire day. And just the idea that people were like, wow. And how I felt about me and the color and and how I just connected with just the, the application of color and how that changes people's perception of me and how I also felt more bold. I felt more seen. I also felt more in control of my own look and identity. You know, that was like the beginning. So I enrolled in beauty school while in high school. So I was going to beauty school on the weekends and high school during the week. And when I graduated, I graduated with a with a cosmetology degree and a high school diploma simultaneously. But I chose to go to college. I didn't pursue beauty right away. But when I got to college, it was beauty and you know makeup and hair through the weekends and sometimes at nights on the college campus. So it was always with me, even through corporate America. And I really kept a connection. But it was when I decided that I had reached the ceiling in corporate America and it was time for me to really step into my passion. That's when I fully embraced it, 14 years later.
0: out of commission for at least a week every single month, and that adds up to three months in every year. Other than feeling frustrated that my really bad periods were keeping me from pursuing my actual goals, I knew that something wasn't right Seed cycling is the simple process of using food as medicine to naturally support your hormones. It uses four different types of seeds, yes, actual seeds, throughout your menstrual cycle to support the balance of hormones like progesterone and estrogen and give your body critical nutrients it needs to achieve your best health. Within weeks of starting this process, I noticed major shifts in my period and my overall health. But I also noticed that seed cycling is actually kind of hard to do. I wanted the best quality seeds freshly ground in the right amount, but it was very time consuming. So I decided to create a simple and effective way for anyone to start seed cycling today using the highest quality organic seeds If you or anyone you know has been struggling with hormonal imbalances or bad periods, go to beawellness.com slash free. Once again, it's beawellness.com slash free to download our free guide to our top tips in tackling hormonal imbalances and to learn more about our seed cycling bundle. We included this link in the show notes along with a promo code for $10 off for all of our Behind Her Empire listeners. I know you're going to love seed cycling just as much as I do. Thanks for listening listening and now let's get back to the show. Oh my gosh. And we'll we'll get there and have so many questions leading up to that cuz mm-hmm. so much has happened. Mm-hmm. But you know, you always like you mentioned, you know, you were getting your cosmetology degree in high school, but you ended up pursuing college still and still getting a, you know, more formal quote-unquote education. Right. Why do you think you went down that route versus knowing you have this passion, knowing you have this skill right from practicing on others and doing different makeovers. Why did you not go down that path? Was it your mother kind of gearing you towards education, given that she did everything for you guys moving here? But I'd love to hear why you went down the more, quote unquote, traditional path early on.
1: Yeah, you know, education was very important in our household. But also the conversation around passion equals profit was not a conversation that happened. So I didn't realize that my passion was possible in order Mm. to make a great living. That just wasn't a part of the conversation. It was the work hard and get what you want. Passion was never a conversation until later on in life. And so that's why it was important for me to continue my education. But I also really did value wanting to have that college experience. I wanted the full American experience. If I immigrated here, I wanted to experience it all. And so I think that part of it was the intention to be educated, but also the lack of conversation around passion and really how important that role plays in our overall purpose.
0: Yes, amen. And, you know, thankfully there's like podcasts like this and more exposure to how you can create a living based on your passions. But yeah, back then, no one was really talking about this. There was less stories being highlighted. You know, I went down a similar path and kind of neglected my passions for years. But it's great to see how you were still incorporating your joys of makeovers and makeup, even when you were in corporate America. So let's talk about that period in your life. You know, you had a very successful career. I believe you were in corporate America for 14 years, working with the big biggest brands and companies. I want to talk about this phase because so many people can relate, including myself. And I'm curious, when did you start hearing that voice that this might not be it, right? Because once you kind of jump in, you start getting promoted, you get that great salary, you think you've made it, right? You're like, I am living the dream. But when did that first voice come to your head just saying, you know what, Melissa, there might be something more like this is not it.
1: It's interesting. So I remember vividly after I graduated, I have my, I have my MBA. So I went right into advertising after grad school. And I remember working for, for Uniworld, which is a multicultural advertising agency, but I was on brands. I was on CPG brands like, you know, Burger King was really my biggest client managing promotions and, and event marketing for the brand. And I remember The president of the agency came into my office and he said, we're pitching CoverGirl next week. And I would like for you to be a part of that pitch team. And I was like, but I'm not on the account. I've not touched the account. I'm over here on the Burger King side. And I said, but why me? And he looked at me, he said, because you know beauty. And I was like, wow. It was that going back to on the bus moment and going back into the high school, you know, into the classroom when I was 14 wearing the red lipstick. It was that same look of like, wow, okay, Mm. there's something about her. Fast forward into my early 20s when the president of the agency is saying, you know, beauty. And mind you, I wasn't walking around saying this. I was focused on my CPG business. But it's how I showed up every day that let him understand my connection and How I carried myself, that it was clear for him. And so that was the light bulb moment. And I said, you know what? And that literally sticks with me till this very day. And I think that that was the moment that I had to decide, you know, what I was going to do next.
0: I love that light bulb moment because sometimes you have this idea and you're reminded, oh, you know, someone else recognizes this passion of mine. Because sometimes you forget when you're in the grind of doing well in your corporate job, focusing on something different. And you actually, didn't quit at the time. I believe you got laid off. So tell me more about that because so much of life kind of set you up to going down this path, but it wasn't something you jumped on. And I want to talk about this because it's very similar to me. And I want women to know the, the process sometimes and what life can kind of lead you to to yeah. really finally get the confidence to take that leap.
1: Yeah. So no, I didn't leave. I didn't quit. I continued working in the advertising business. And then I had an opportunity to go into television. So I ended up moving on from the advertising agency to work with BET, working in advertising and working for, we already had a relationship with the network because a lot of our brands were advertising on BET. So there was an opening and a position. So I went into working in integrated marketing for, for BET Networks. But I still was not touching beauty. I mean, we had beauty advertisers, but a lot of our brands were still automotive and fashion. And so, you know, there was just still this calling on me. So I decided to leave New York and move to California because I was like, oh, not another cold winter. I was also looking at my life and say, I want more. I don't know if I, I I want it all here in New York. So I moved to California, and then my last job was. For the Los Angeles Times in entertainment marketing. And it was in those moments that I actually got a chance to work more with beauty because LA just seemed to have more of a connection to the beauty industry, particularly with a lot of the emerging brands at the time. But yeah, there was a time when the LA Times lo- was looking at, oh, wow, print is dying. We don't have a lot going on here. It's challenging. People were getting laid off left and right. And before that, laid off came to me, I made the decision to walk away. But I saw the light, you know, it it was coming. But I I knew that I it was one of those moments I said, okay, either they push me out or I go on my own. And it was time.
0: And I know at that point, listening to a few of your interviews, I got the timeline corrected. You were also in a relationship and you decided to make this big leap. And I'm curious, you know, was your partner supportive of that? Or because, you know, we talked about in the beginning, family members, friends might not be supportive of these big leaps because they don't understand. So kind of tell me what it was emotionally for you, because it's such a monumental time in anyone's life.
1: Yeah, so I was in a relationship at that time. And he didn't get it. He didn't understand. Mm. He was really definitely negative Nancy on the issue because security looked different for him. He didn't meet me as an entrepreneur. He met me as a corporate executive. And that's what he wanted to hold on to, his version of me. And I wanted bigger. So that for me in and of itself was one of those other glaring realities that the relationships that you're in can either... Give you the wind that you need to get to the next level, or be the anchor that keeps you from achieving your dreams. And I chose to be my own wind, walking away from that relationship and moving forward. And it was the greatest decision that I ever made. I happened to run into him later on, and I was going to my mailbox to pick up my first five figure check, and it was a oh my big god, pick.
0: amazing! Yes, I
1: literally, it was almost like five years later, and you know the same PO box. Apparently, he had a Office box there as well. And I remember looking at him, he was like, Oh, you're still doing that beauty thing? And I'm opening up my mailbox and I'm pulling out this very, very lucrative check. And I'm like, Yeah, still doing that beauty thing. And I just walked to my car. But it was really <laughs> one of those, you story. know, full circle moments. So I, you know, so, but it, it is really important to think about the people that you have in your life, whether it's romantically or, mm. or otherwise, and choose you. And that's what I did.
0: It's so much easier to surround yourself with these people when life is good, you're making good money, you're not thinking about the insecurities of like what you're going to do in life and how much you're making money for. But when you're in those moments, you really realize, like you said, the relationships that you should be in, the people that you're around. And so much of the women I have on my podcast, even my own entrepreneurial journey, so much of the success, is, like you said, who you surround yourself with because it's a mindset game, right? Every day is so hard, but having the right community around you and energy, which I know you're huge on as well, is really really important. So that is key. And, you know, at that moment in your life, you decided to really take a sabbatical. So tell me more about, you know, you finally decided you're going to go off on your passion, but you still didn't really know at the time what it looked like. So tell yeah. me more about how you unpack that calling. Yeah.
1: You know, I had to step away and I needed the noise to just be silent. I couldn't, think it was a big decision. And I think when you're in that moment, you have the storied career to your point. We have all the perks and the expense accounts and the holiday trips to Anguilla and St. Bart's and all the things. These are the things that you're walking away from. But in that moment, there was also the reality that if I had it before, I can have it again. It's just going to be different. And I'm going to get it through my own journey and one that I create as an entrepreneur, not one that's handed to me as an employee. So really unpacking all of that was not something that I could do going into the office every day or being around other people. So I took a sabbatical, went to my parents' home in Portland, Oregon for an entire month. And I just went back to the room that I grew up in. And I just you know spent some time there and just spent some time in nature. Oregon is really beautiful. And I just wanted to do me but i really had to think critically then i had this my mom was making our favorite jamaican dish and just had this moment with her in the kitchen where i was looking at her facebook page and i was like ooh your your facebook profile needs you need a new photo <laughs> when you're done cooking let me go grab my makeup bag and let's do a makeover on you and that was the moment and during that makeover where i got the answer it was the how she felt after we took a whole i got my her phone out and took some photos on the front lawn and to still to this day, it's like her most, you know, viral, you know, as it's <laughs> quote unquote images in terms of responses and people like, wow, Dolores, look at your makeover and all the things. And so that was for me, that moment of doing the thing that I was already passionate about, not thinking about money, not thinking about other people, just thinking about I'm giving this gift of mine so that someone else can feel better and that someone else happened to be my mother the same woman whose lipstick i borrowed and took on the bus <laughs> you know at 14 so life has a way of showing back up in these full circle moments and i connect the dots all the time and so i just understand now how powerful really the universe is and god is and in our journey and in our and how we move that it's all going to work out and i know this now and i'm a testament to that but we just have to pay attention to when it does show up and how to take action from there. So I took action when I realized the full circle opportunity. And then I came back to Los Angeles and the rest is history.
0: Oh my gosh. I I love this story. And I think it's interesting because kind of looking at your entire life, you've always been doing makeovers and doing makeup for your friends and whatnot. But it's the fact that you were, the timing of where you were in your life and the fact that you allowed space, right? Like you said, really being quiet and getting yourself out of the day-to-day and the craziness of just normal life. So you were able to connect the dots and really realize like, oh my gosh, this is my calling. Because I think even in entrepreneurship, like you said, you have so much faith that The universe is showing you signs, but it's really about being still, right? To even connect nowadays. So I just love hearing that you are a testament because I truly believe in that. And even me now being outside of the corporate world, I see it all the time. So I just want to underscore this point because I truly believe it can be game changing. So it's great to see how in that moment you realize like, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. So you moved to LA, you actually became a makeup artist, right? And if you ask anyone living in LA, there's tons of makeup artists. It's incredibly saturated. So tell me more about your mindset and your game plan and really financially, how you kind of set yourself up in the beginning, because so much of your mindset and what you learned in corporate America really benefited you. And I I want to bring that up because people think sometimes being in corporate doesn't help, but it really can be a huge asset to you really jumping in this world, which I think your life really shows.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, listen, all of those, that 14 years, a lot of those skills were transferable. And I just said, if I were making a lot of people these big opportunities in business working for these brands, certainly I can do it for myself. So I intentionally, my mindset was, I am a brand out the gate. I didn't need confirmation from the industry. I didn't need to, you know, as a lot of people were saying, you know, pay your dues, quote unquote. I didn't feel the need to, because I felt like I did just in a different industry. My job was to how I was going to package myself so that I can stand out and accelerate quickly. So I was very intentional about using my corporate sensibilities and my discipline and my skill set as a bona fide marketing executive. And how do I do that for myself? So I literally created myself as an own, my own corporation, my own brand. So what did that mean? That meant that I immediately invested in my own branded photo shoot, hired my own photographer, hired my own studio, created my own marketing materials. And I started to market and present myself as a brand. And mm-hmm. once I did that, I started to align myself with other entrepreneurs who own beauty studios and own fashion apparel stores and connected with them and said, Hey, you know, let me create a pop-up shop on your property on weekends where I knew women were already gonna be, if they're shopping for clothes and shoes certainly they'll shop for beauty services. And that's how I did it. I, it was my guerrilla marketing. you mm. know. So I just went right back to the basics. In addition to that, I would attend a lot of industry events as well as conferences and expos and also bridal shops. And my beautiful you know, five by seven card with my work was already on display. It was undeniable. So I really just want, I just used a lot of what I already knew about marketing and branding and made that a part of my early start and it was absolutely what affected my trajectory because within 3 months my first job was working in television for VH1 and I've worked in film and television ever since I've never had to do anything else so i went to the top right away but if i did, but it was because i treated myself as a brand early
0: mm-hmm. and
1: first and invested in myself early that was what set me up for success
0: That's great to hear because I do think, you know, whether it's starting a business or taking a leap, like a lot of people can say, well, there's so many other people doing this or there's so many people doing this profession, you know, and the fact that. Everyone is so unique to who they are, and the fact that you kind of leaned on the skills that you had, you differentiate yourself. And one of my questions was like, at what point did you see it work out? And three months in is incredible. And I'm curious, when you were taking this leap, I believe you tapped into your 401k, right, to kind of support yourself during this time. So, what, what did you have kind of a subconscious timeline for yourself? Like, I'm going to take X amount and then let's see how the next, you know, three or six months go. Like, how did you think about it? Or were you pretty confident that you were going to just go all in no matter how long it took and you wouldn't go back to corporate America?
1: I did pull out money out of my 401k and certainly much, much to the chagrin of any financial advisor and anyone, you know, that's not the thing to do, but that was the choice that I made, you know, and it was intentional because I needed to not only survive off of my savings and sort of rent, I had a luxury vehicle, you know, all the things. So my expenses didn't necessarily diminish all too much. However, what happened was I was at the very end of my lease at the very time that I was transitioning to corporate America. So I had a beautiful convertible Mercedes Benz and I had a choice whether I was going to go back to another Mercedes or use a portion of my savings to purchase a vehicle for cash. And it was one of the toughest decisions that I had to make, but I did, you know, I went to, I went to Mercedes-Benz. I remember like it was today. I walked into the garage and he was like, should we show you something new? I'm like, I'm just, I'm returning my keys. Got on the social media, on the ads and see who was selling a the vehicle. There was a doctor selling a beautiful Subarus, still very clean and well-maintained in Rancho Palos Verdes and purchased it for cash. You know, so I downsized in that way. I didn't shop or buy anything excessive for an entire year. And anyone who knows me knows I love fashion. I love to look, but I had enough already. So I didn't expense and purchase anything excessive. So I would say I cut expenses in the areas that I knew that were frivolous in terms of like buying more things to put on my body. Listen, I work in beauty. Black was what we wore all the time, so that also helped. So to answer your question, I gave myself a year to replace my six-figure income.
0: And it's nice to kind of have that timeline. You're not going into it blindsided. You're giving yourself a timeline. And it's what, like, even just mapping that out, I think motivates you to kind of hit those numbers. So I just love how intentional you were about the transition, right? Like, sometimes I think people think you just kind of like leave your job and you start something, but there's so much that goes behind the scenes and the thoughtfulness that made you to be successful.
1: Yeah, I set a goal and I obviously, you know, created my vision board and I said, okay, cool. In a year from now, I'm going to walk back into the dealership and I'm going to get the luxury car that I want. In a year from now, I'm going to get the house that I want. In a Mm. year from now, I'm going to be shopping again and going on vacation. And I literally looked at that as the goal. And that's exactly what happened. I literally walked back in to the dealership almost a year to the date. Really? I was able to sell my car to someone else for cash because it was just, you know, it's just one of those vehicles that can move around. And then I went and got my car and got the house. I got what I needed. I'm not saying that it was easy. That year was a very challenging year. It taught me a lot about myself. It taught me how disciplined I am, but it also taught me that there were. It's how important it is to just be focused for a short if I spent fourteen years working for everybody else, why can't I give myself a year focusing on my own business, personal business plan?
0: It's so true. And you know, like you said, even and, and for a lot of people, you know, I did a very similar leap. I took time I actually gave myself financially a year, right? I've been saving for years in corporate America. So that was a benefit. Every bonus I would just save. I'm like, one day I'm going to take the leap. I never knew what it was. Kind of quit like you, not knowing what it was, but it was the best thing because I discovered really what I wanted to do. But I love that you gave yourself some time to really think about the life you envisioned. You gave yourself that timeline. And I'm curious, you talked about this vision board about that protocol and is it something you still do today cuz i'm all about this and you know manifestation it, it and being clear on your goals i think is really the overarching theme that i think is really important so tell me more about how you vision board and if you still do a similar ritual today
1: yeah i believe in manifestation i believe in vision board i believe in seeing it before you have it it's something that i think i learned from oprah and a few others <laughs> you know just about the spiritual side and and really the mindset side that things that are are happening, how to create the life that you want before you actually can feel it, see, see it and live it and achieve it. So I've been one of those people that have been really elevated in terms of how I see life, like beyond just the physical. And so really working on myself to understand that there are habits such as journaling, such as writing down five gratitudes per day, and the implementation of a vision board. I outlined things that I wanted for myself, both personally, professionally, and down the line. It even had my daughter on there, which I have to today. But these are things for me that I felt was really important to, to sort of, what is the life that I, that I ultimately want? Because right now, it's finite because I'm made the shift and I'm living in a very curated time that is about one thing, yeah. Replacing my income, becoming successful in a short period of time. And I needed to think bigger and see bigger. So every morning when I'm able to walk by that vision board and I say, I may not have it now, but I'm gonna have it, you know, that for me is inspiration. And and then also, you know, how I also the other things that I experience outside of my home, you know, attending, you know, events and then tapping into certain books and things that really just help me to kind of keep my mind right. Entrepreneurship is about keeping your mind right so that you can continue to achieve, because it will take you through a lot of you know, peaks and valleys. And you may question, was it a smart idea to walk away? But every time you ask yourself, you remember, I always remember the big why. And that vision board always helped me with the big why.
0: I love that. And I think just what you said, just maintaining that inspiration is so key. So having that vision board up there is imperative. And I used to do vision boards. I'm all about gratitude. I've been doing that for years, even in corporate America, because I was so Mm -hmm. miserable. So I swear by that. But having that vision board up and kind of reminding yourself, even subconsciously, right? I think there's an element there that helps because like you said, there's some days where it's going to be tough that you're going to question yourself because maybe you're exhausted or it was just a tough day where you're like, why am I doing this? And just kind of reminding yourself about your why and your goals and your dreams, you know, the next day it's like, you're just back at it. So I love the mentality you had there. And I'm curious, you know, so you said, you know, with three months in you're on TV, that's a huge leap for anyone who just entered the makeup industry. What were your goals and aspirations for your time? Because fast forward to today, you've had your own product line, you are just diving into so many different aspects. So I love to hear about what your initial goals were and how you've kind of pivoted to the women and where you are today professionally.
1: Yeah. So my initial goals was to always to be different. I knew that I was already essentially a unicorn. I have an MBA. I have a 14 year corporate marketing background and I'm a celebrity makeup artist. Like what universe does that look like? But there was a bigger goal. I always wanted to be business first, not beauty first. And that was my point of differentiation. Many people are beauty first. I am a beauty. I'm a celebrity makeup. I'm, I'm a business woman who works in beauty. I've always positioned myself that way. And because of that, that that has allowed me to stand out. It also has allowed brands and opportunities to attract me because they can see a different level of expertise beyond the art. They can also, you know, I now have an understanding of the brand and their goals. And so this photo shooter, this marketing campaign is not just about the lipstick and the beauty of it. It's about the message. It's about the audience. It is about the intention behind the brand and how they're conveying it to a particular audience. So that provided a lot of value with a lot of the brands that I worked for. CoverGirl ironically turned out to be one of the very first ones that I worked with as a celebrity makeup artist. So everything does come back full circle. But it was my intention to set myself apart as a businesswoman in beauty first. And through that timeline, I did start my own makeup line back in 2005 and it was early, but I can also say that I made some mistakes. I came out with too much too soon. If I had to do it over again, I would have started small. Everything that I'm teaching my brands now is because of some of the mistakes that I made as a brand founder over 10 years ago. So I think that there is a lot of my journey that I learn. I don't look at them as failures. I look at them as lessons. And I try to take all of that with me so that I can become better, a better woman, a better businesswoman. But again, I think my differentiation has always been that I'm business first.
0: Yeah. And you know, you talked about how you launch your own brand and there's so many learnings just by putting yourself in a situation and building something, you are just learning so much more than just hypothetically being on the sideline. So I'm curious, you said, you know, you work with so many different brands. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons? So one of them, you said, you know, not launching with so many different products, but what are some of the other lessons and learnings that you have that you share with a lot of entrepreneurs just to, you know, make sure that they're not going down that similar path?
1: Yeah. So too many products too soon and not curating them based on starting small and scaling to something larger. One of the other key learnings that was important was in terms of the financials of it. So separating the revenue that I was making from the product sales from my personal income. Mm. Now, a lot of people think, oh, that's maybe, you know, that's something intuitive. But truthfully, it's not necessarily when you're an entrepreneur, especially when this is all you do, you know, for a living. And this is all. And and so how do you then technically create that structure where you've got these two separate accounts and you're reinvesting back into the business when, you know, some of your personal bills are due and need, you know, some (laughs) that are on life support as well in the early stages. And so it's that balance of understanding financials and how to manage your business. The other part for me, too, was. I think that I left a lot of partnership opportunities on the table because now I was looked at as competition. By having my own brand, I was inadvertently competitive to the brands that I was working for. So I probably left hundreds and of thousands of dollars on the table because I started my brand at the time that I did. In hindsight, I don't know whether that was either right or wrong. I don't know. But what I do know is, is that there are consequences to both working in beauty and having your own brand when other brands see your value too and want to work with you. So that for me was a very interesting time where you know I had to really choose my, again, choose what I was doing over the opportunities that were coming to me.
0: Sure. And I'm curious, what was the tenor of that beauty brand? And at what point did you realize it's time to close it down? Because I know that decision is so hard for so many people. I have people that reach out to me that have been doing it for five years or like, you know, I don't see traction. Yasmin, what do you think? But walk me through your thought process because that was, you know, your first baby. How did you really decide that it's time to kind of move on and feel good about that next step?
1: So the brand was my first baby, but my baby was my real baby. So I got married and had my daughter. And I couldn't do
0: everything. Oh, so she was young then.
1: She was young then. So again, life happens. You're on this journey called life. You're an entrepreneur. You're, you know, things happen, right? And so your life is evolving. And for me, my evolution to become a mother had me look at a lot of things on my plate as what am I willing to juggle right now? So I was juggling this career in film and television. I'm now a mom and I have this brand. Something had to go something had to go. And I felt that because of the brand, I was already struggling to keep it at the level because I had too much products too soon. So what is it going to liquidate everything? How do I start over? I didn't have a me that I am to my brands then, which is why I am new today for them. Who was going to be able to say, you know what, Melissa, you don't have to close down. All you have to do is rebrand. All you have to do is take away 20 SKUs and focus on five. And then we can retell that story. But I didn't have anyone to carry me through that journey. I was, and then doing it all, and then having a newborn. Mm. So that for me was the breaking point in deciding what on my plate had to go, because motherhood was not going to be sacrificed. Me being there for her was not going to be sacrificed. But that had to be while I still had my business. My bread and butter was the film and television role that I had working for all the other networks.
0: Yeah, and I think, like you said, it's just there's different seasons in your life, right? Like you were already dealing with, I did not know your daughter was a newborn then, but your main job that was paying the bills, you know, you had your young daughter and then also you were launching this brand. I can't even imagine doing all of that. That's a lot. Props for you even like getting it out because that seems like quite a bit, but it's just, it's great to see just different seasons and how even having a child is not going to impact the overall long-term game plan of your entrepreneurial success, right? Like just a few years in, now you have your own consultant agency, which I want to hear more about. It's amazing to see just the, also the learnings that you had. And one thing that is interesting is if you partnered up, if you had the right person, who is you now, right? Like with that brand, it could have taken another turn. So it just goes to trying to surround yourself with different kinds of individuals. And at the time you were just trying to survive doing it all. But if there's a lesson, right? Like if you can tap into people or reach out to someone for 10 minutes of their time, there could be different ways to approach it, but there's so many beautiful learnings that you made from that, that you are now able to just really be that business person that a lot of brands need. So it's cool to see where you are today with that. And tell me more about what you're up to today. There's so many amazing things that you're doing. I love following you on social media. You're (laughs) such a bright, Mm -hmm light. But I'd love to hear more about where you are today, Melissa, and, and what you're up to.
1: Yeah. So where I am now, you know, I, I basically, I always say, especially now that I've created the business, you know, based on the job description I wish I always had. And I am the businesswoman that I wish that I had when I was going through my own journey. So I'm playing this duality of really creating this niche consulting business, while also being a mentor and a coach to entrepreneurs that I know need it, the very idea that I didn't ask for help, which was probably the reason why I decided to just shut it down completely, as opposed to pivoting, because I did not ask for help. I didn't know who to ask, and I didn't even know maybe there wasn't anyone to ask. Right, which is also a part of the reason why the intention for creating my consultancy. So after eleven years working in film and television. I had cultivated relationships with several brands, Thrive Cosmetics being one of them. and during the pandemic, I found myself as we were all still and film and television was shut down essentially from March to July. During that time frame I had to and I, my daughter was two and a half then, I had to think differently. So again, you're on this journey and as an entrepreneur, it's going to require you to really think about how you move. And that move has to be strategic. It has to be intentional, but you also have to prioritize. It is not about balance. I don't care about that word because it's not relevant to me. Balance is the thing that broke me. Prioritizing is the thing that allows me to be profitable because I can say motherhood is numero uno. My business now has to support, not just financially, but structurally who I am to her. And who I am in the world. So I re—I I went and back and re-looked at my personal business plan, redesigned it, sent it out to a few advisors because now I'm, I've learned. So now I'm asking for help. Can you look at where I am and what I'm trying to do and give me some feedback? Didn't do that in, <laughs> back then. Now I learned. And that feedback was what emboldened me to say, the consultancy is a great space to move into. And I reached out to a few of the brands that I was already working with. And they all said, yes, This makes sense. It's the perfect time. You're the right person. We believe in you. All the things. And so that intention and strategy, because I'm not saying go in there without, you know, don't go in there without a plan. Because we live in a world where people, they don't have a lot of time to listen to your story. They want to, you want to know what you want to do and how you are going to do it. And they can buy, have something to buy into. So another key learning along my journey. So I created this plan, submitted it, and it was very, very well received. And that was the beginning of my consultant agency, Shift Beauty.
0: Incredible. And like you said, just kind of restructuring COVID kind of allowed you to pivot and think through what really aligns with your life and what you personally wanted at this stage in your career. When you were saying restructuring, was it the flexibility of the job or just you now being aligned with what really lights you up again and reevaluating that again? Like what were you kind of reconsidering at the time? So
1: the restructuring also meant no more film and television, no more 12, 14 hours working on TV sets. It meant that I needed to own my time. I needed the freedom and the flexibility. I want to take my daughter to school and pick her up in the evenings. I want to cook her breakfast and make her dinner and have baths. That's important. But I also want to work with big brands, make an impact, create this legacy, do something different, stand out, continue to do all the things. So the structuring is really by design. and so. From a business standpoint, it meant that I had to leave certain aspects of the revenue that I was making in film and television and repurpose that to working with brands and having these lucrative consulting agreements that would allow me to be productive and profitable as a consultant and then be able to have my weekends with my daughter.
0: I just have goosebumps. It's amazing just to hear how you are continuously Checking in with yourself and creating a life that fits for you. And I love this. And I think it's so important to share because I truly believe that anyone is capable of really doing anything, like truly. It's just a matter of having belief in yourself, having the right strategy. You know, you mentioned a few things in terms of mistakes you did, like. Thinking about the strategy, sharing it with people you trust, getting their feedback, and then going out there and putting in the world. Like, there's so many learnings just from your story that I think are incredibly powerful. And, you know, I'm curious about this question. What are you most proud of that a lot of people may not know about you, Melissa? Because you are an open book, but I'm curious.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things that I want to underscore very much so is that I have had my moments. I've had my. 3am cries. I've had those bills that have come that I'm looking at like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? I've had my moments of uncertainty, of tears, of doubt, of pain, of trauma through it all. I've had my moments and I don't want to paint this beautiful picture because I'm in beauty or this glamorous picture about my journey I'm saying that all of it is going to come with this path that we're on to greatness for whatever it is that that looks like for everyone else. But I don't want to dismiss the fact that a part of my strength and my resilience is because I've overcome those 3am cries after I put my daughter to bed and I'm like, uh, you know, and then also quite transparently, I went through a divorce during that time. So being an entrepreneur, going through a divorce with a young child, building back my Personal self and my business at the same time, that is for me where we talk about my greatest success. I pat myself on the back a lot because I stumbled, but I didn't crumble. <laughs> you know, to quote my good friend Whitney Houston, I stumbled, but I didn't crumble. And I felt that that is what I think a lot of women straddle. It's the thing that we don't always talk about. And we don't always get a chance to cry on someone else's shoulder because sometimes there may not be anyone else to cry on. Because when you go through something so personal as a divorce and certain kinds of trauma, that thing is one that brings you to your knees, but you still had to show up on these Zooms or at these events and all the things. You're just trying to be better. You're just trying to break through And you also got this little person that's looking up at you that you're also not only being strong for, but also trying to be a mirror so that one day you're able to say, this is how you navigate life, baby. It's not perfect, but here's some of the things that I learned and this is what I can give to you. So I would say that my biggest accomplishment, or I don't, I don't remember what you, how you phrased it, but I think the biggest thing for me is my resilience and being proud that I've been able to reinvent myself both personally and professionally, and I'm still standing and thriving.
0: Ah, Melissa, that was beautiful. You are such an inspiration and such a powerhouse, and it's such an honor to have you on here. Thank you so much for joining us. I probably could talk to you for so much longer, but you are honestly incredible, and I'm so excited our audience is gonna learn more about you today, but thank you so, so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.